Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we continue our series, Genetically Generous. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right. Scattered applause there. Can I, yeah, yes, you can. If you didn't get to see the first part of the short film, you can actually check it out online and it'll kind of it'll make more sense. That was the second part for those of you here the last few weeks. Um, here's where I want to start, though. How many of you, um, I mean, you just love, love, love this time of year because it is March Madness. How many are with me on that? Oh, man, oh, man. I mean, it's, it's I mean, I, I don't want to kind of throw out some heresy here, but it's close to Easter. I'm just telling you, it is awesome. It is just, I love, love, love it. How many of you, on the other hand, you, uh, you kind of tolerate it, but you fill out a bracket anyway. Oh, I'm in. I gotta, everybody's got to fill out a bracket. Fill a bracket anyway. My family's kind of that way where a whole bunch of us just love it. Some of us are just like, well, I fill out a bracket. Because then we have a pool. Our whole family has a pool every year. And uh, we're all super competitive. And we've even had years where we'd have our dog <laughs> fill out a bracket. You know, put a couple treats in front of him. And whichever paw determines the team that he picks. And we fill out the bracket. And one year, you're, you, you'll believe this, right? Guess who won? The dog, right. Our dog won. Our dog actually beat all five of us and won, so he got the treat. Um, I think one of the reasons, though, that I think people who are both fans and even maybe people who aren't sports fans kind of like this time of year is because at least one Cinderella story always happens. There's always at least one team, despite all the odds, achieves something that nobody thought was possible. And speaking of, how many, how many of you Friday night got to watch the UMBC team beat number one ranked Virginia? Did you see this? Oh my goodness, right. I mean, what is UMBC anyway, right? And all of a sudden, they're the, they're the lowest ranked team in the whole tournament, and they beat the number one ranked team in the nation. And they didn't only beat them, but they beat them by 20 points. They trounced them. And uh, I don't know if you, this is my favorite line. The whole, you know what UMBC stands for? University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Okay, not really. Actually, it stands for you must be Cinderella. <laughs> right? This guy here, this guy here, this is like one of their best players. Now, on his roster, it says he's five foot eight, 140. I swear, he's like 5'4", maybe a buck 25. I mean, he's just, <laughs> just this little dude. Um, but so how do they do it? How, how do they do it? And <clears throat> I mean, they don't have high school All-Americans. They, have no, they don't have a single superstar. But here's what made them special, I think. The whole game, I mean, they played fearless. And they played as a team. And as a team, they came together and they did something no one thought could be done. And I kind of want to use that as a backdrop because we're continuing our series, uh, Genetically Generous, where we're discovering as a whole community that what, the way we're wired, there is in our DNA, every one of us in our DNA is this design <clears throat> to be generous, and in some ways, what we also discovered last week is we learned that we're kind of like a team, that we all have something unique to contribute, that we have different motivations and even kind of different generosity profiles. And if you're with us last Sunday, we did the survey that actually helped us find out what our generosity profiles. There's actually six of them that we all fall into. Let me kind of remind you, and then I'll give you the opportunity to do it if uh, you want to jump in. It, we had like 3,000 plus people, close to 4,000 people who did this online survey and discovered their generosity profiles. Some of us were, uh, this first one here, were cause movers, all right? Actually, the second highest profile at community 
is a cause mover. And a cause mover is someone who's generous because they so believe in a cause, like helping people find their way back to God, right? You just believe in it and you want to get behind it. A second profile that we came up with was what we call budget keepers. Fascinating. Budget keeper was the most frequent, was the most common profile at community. Budget keeper. And these are folks who are really wise with their money. They want to figure out, okay, how does God want me to allocate my resources? And then I kind of get the plan and I follow the plan. And it's interesting to me that cause movers and budget keepers were one and two at community. And so it's kind of like you got this group of people saying, hey, let's take the hill, right? And you got other people saying, okay, that's great, but let's don't go broke in the process, <laughs> right? And if you know Doug Ledden, it's kind of like me and Doug Ledden. Let's take the hill. Dave, let's don't go broke in the process. So it's kind of a good team. Um, we got a third one. We call them uh, discipline or faith stretchers, faith stretchers. Faith stretchers are people who they want to give because they know it helps them grow closer to God. My wife's number one profile was faith stretcher. The fourth one we had is what we call uh, discipline doers. They give because, you know what? God told me to give. I want to do the right thing. I want to obey. I want to obey God. And so that's why they do it. I want to be obedient to God. And then we have uh, the fifth one is what we call community growers. This was actually my, my profile, my primary profile. And community growers are people who like, I want to be a part of a community with a cause. That we're all doing this thing together. I'm sure that surprises you. Um, But that was mine. And then the last one is what we call legacy builders. And some of you are legacy builders. You're people who give, but you want to give in a way that you know that it goes on even after you're gone. Something that has some longevity and sustainability to it. That's really, really, really important to you. And uh, if you didn't get to do this last week, here's the deal. If you go to this, uh, this website, mygenprofile.org that we created, or you can just download our app, you can take it. It's eight questions, and it'll give you kind of your profile. It's interesting. It'll help you explain some things if you're married to, about how you guys respond to each other with regards to generosity. It's very, very fascinating stuff. So take advantage of that. But remember this. Remember this. Not one of us on our own, in our own generosity, is like a superstar. But when we come together as a team, each of those different profiles come together I mean, we can do things, we can make God's world change in a way that maybe other people thought was absolutely impossible. And in many ways, I think that's exactly what the One Initiative that we started two years ago was all about. The One Initiative was us all coming together and saying, you know, when we come together, like as a team, we can do something together that we couldn't do on our own. And here's a little bit of the vision and kind of an update on all the remarkable things that have happened over the last two years. In 2016, we came together as one church and we declared God number one in our lives and committed ourselves to the one mission of helping people find their way back to God. At Community, everything we do, every dollar we invest goes to accomplishing this one mission. Toward that end, we entered into a two-year initiative called One and we set our sights on the following goals. Reaching thousands of people by expanding our current locations. Restoring communities, both locally and globally and reproducing new campuses and planting new churches. As a result of God's faithfulness and your generosity, our attendance has grown by an average of about a 1,000 more people each week over the last two years. Since we committed to one, we have celebrated 677 adults, students, and kids baptized right here at Community. Kid City played a key role in one. They partnered with Community 412 to provide gifts for Gift Mart and purchase mosquito nets and even raise money to buy pigs for our Compassion International partners. Student community was celebrating right alongside our kids and adults. And the life change that we've seen over the last two years through record-setting numbers of students at our Blast Winter Conference and Summer Camps has been absolutely amazing. 
Our students celebrated and served at our locations, in our communities, and recently sent over 400 handwritten letters to our Compassion International kids in Nicaragua. The expansion of our current locations was made successful through the generosity of the One Initiative. Our Plainfield, Shorewood, and Romeoville locations joined forces and moved into our brand new Plainfield facility in Sportsplex in 2016. Our Royal location moved into a brand new renovated space in September of last year. Construction for the Yorkville expansion is on track for completion by Easter Sunday with the grand reopening celebration set for April 8th. Celebration generosity through the One Initiative fuels the mission at Community 412, at Philippine Frontline Ministry, and allows us to plant churches through Compassion International and New Thing. In 2016-17, we gave away over $1.1 million, bringing our 10-year grand total to over $5.2 million given away. Community Freedom is a new partnership between Community, Alpha Prison Ministry, and the New Thing Network that equips the local church to transition returning citizens from confinement to freedom through planning of church locations in prisons. We piloted the broadcast at the Department of Corrections facility in Texas and recently secured a second strategic partner church in California to launch in another prison. Community plants churches by partnering with New Thing. And in two years of the One Initiative, We've hosted 13 different leadership residents who are now in the process of planting churches across seven different countries. New Thing is currently made up of over 1,500 churches across five continents, all committed to reproducing the Jesus mission through planting new churches and locations all over the world. Our Downers Grove launch was an unparalleled success and would not have been possible without the generosity of the One Initiative. On our first Sunday, the launch team was ready to serve and we welcomed 645 people who attended. Since that time, we've seen over 350 attenders celebrating every week in Downers Grove. Community, you've made such a difference with your generosity through the One Initiative. Thank you so much for continuing to further this mission of helping people find their way back to God. I'll tell you what, turn to someone near you and just give them a high five and say, hey, way to go. Good job on the One Initiative. Good job. Turn, give them a high five. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, high five. That's right. Nicely done. All right, two years ago, we kind of came together around this One Initiative, and, and, the, and the primary text for us was in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 33. And I want to kind of go back there, and I, and I want us to just, uh, if we would, let's just all read this out loud together. All right, on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. The whole congregation of believers was united as one. One heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. And as, as I kind of reflected on the last two years, I went back and looked at that text again. And, and this time, there, there's, a, there's a couple things, there are actually a few things that really jumped out at me, I think, that were key convictions that those early Christ followers, that, that first church that made such a huge impact, all had. All of them had this. They were convictions. Say they have the word after me, Convictions. These were convictions. And here's, here's the first one that jumps out at us, okay? The first conviction that you see here is there, there was just a strong conviction <clears throat> that God owns it all. If we look at this text in Acts 4.32, it actually says this. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. Now, it's one thing for us to kind of say God owns it all and to believe it up here. But it's a whole other thing for, it to actually, for us to feel it down here and then even actually live it out out here. That there's, a, there's a long kind of distance that happened. But this early group of Christ followers, it was something, I mean, they believed here, they felt here, and they lived it out in real life. And they were united around that. 
It was like a common value. <clears throat> in fact, so much so, look at this next verse there in Acts 4. It talks about the way they prayed. It says this, they raised their voices together in prayer and they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens, you made the earth, you made the sea, you made everything in them. There was this core conviction that all of us, all of them had that God, no, you know what? God owns it all. So what happens when we have that kind of conviction? What happens when we're convicted about that and really buy into that? I came across a story about J.K. Rowling. You know J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, right? And this story really challenged me. I don't, I don't really know where she is spiritually, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's apparent, it's very apparent that God's at work in her story of generosity. Um, before she ever wrote Harry Potter, if you know anything about her story, um, she was a single mom, went through a tremendous heartbreak and a lot of struggles. And in fact, at one point, she was so poor as she was beginning to just to think through the beginnings of the Harry Potter manuscript, the very first one, she would actually kind of write it on the back of free uh, cafe napkins because that's really all she could afford. Well, you fast forward, eventually, she becomes the world's first billionaire author. She lands herself on Forbes' list, Forbes' list of richest people on the planet. But here's what's fascinating. What's fascinating is this. Recently, she was taken off the list. You know why she was taken off the list? Because of all the money that she gave away. It wasn't that she squandered it on, on kind of wild living and risky investments. No, because she gave it away. She gave it away to things, that, that causes like single parent families, children in poverty, she, to fight illiteracy. In fact, she gave so much away that when they did the, the, the math again, she was no longer qualified to be in Forbes' li- richest list again. When they asked her about her extravagant giving, here's what she said. Check, check this out. This is, there's a lesson here for us. She said this. You have a moral responsibility when, you're, when you've been, what's the word right here? What's this word? When you've been given. Get that? How fascinating. She got, she gets that, you know what? I don't deserve this. I didn't have this coming. I worked really hard for this, and so this, is, this should be mine. No, she gets, no. You have a moral responsibility when you've been given far more than you need to do wise things with it and, and also to give intelligently. Now, my guess is nobody in this room is a billionaire. Just a guess, all right? But I would be willing to bet that most, if not many of us in this room, we've been given far more than we need by our generous God. And the th- thing about that early church, that early church, they got this. They weren't particularly wealthy either. But they got, whether, it was, whether they were poor or they were rich, everything that they had been, everything they had was given to them by God. It was this conviction, it was kind of this core conviction which they operated out of every day. It's all from God. There's a second conviction that we see in here though too. The second one, that God wants generosity for you. It's not something he wants from you. Okay, I want to say that again. Generosity is something that God wants for you and it's not something he wants from you. God is not some kind of celestial um, bill collector chasing us down saying, hey, pay up, pay up, pay up, pay up, pay up, pay up, pay up. That's not how he works. And if we know God, we know that God wants the best for us just like we want the best for the people that we love. We had a uh, kind of interesting discussion in our small group a couple weeks ago. We were talking about this passage in, the, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, that God loves a cheerful giver. And it kind of hit us that many people think that if I'm going to give, then what God requires of me is I need to get to the place where I'm being cheerful about it, Right? If I'm going to give, I need to get to the place where I'm cheerful about it. And so we kind of wait 
to get cheerful. And we wait, and we wait, and some of us are still waiting. Well, I'm not really happy about it, so I'm not giving. God told me, right? That's not how this thing works, okay? And that's not what he meant. Here's how it works, and here's here's what he meant. What he means is you give, and when you give, then you become cheerful. There's a different angle on it. And here, maybe this will help explain it. Do this with me, okay? Hold your hands out. Go ahead and do this with me. Hold your hands out, all right? Work with this. I think this will help. All you guys, way up there, way up there. Hold your hands out. Okay, now I want you to down. Now go ahead and close them up. And close them real, 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 real tight. All right? In fact, squeeze them. When we live like this, we hold on to fear. When we live on, like this, we hold on to our anxiety about not having enough. Our anxiousness about finances. We hold on to things like greed, right? And you can even feel the tension. Feel the tension? Go ahead and squeeze hard, hard, hard. Feel the tension in there? Now, now do me a favor and turn, turn to a person near you. Just do like this. Just turn to a person near you do this. Yeah, what, what's, what's going on there? What are you about to do? About to throw down, aren't you? Right? right? Some of you are like, well, that's what I've been looking for. Right? And it is. It becomes, when, you're, when you live like that, it's like me against you, you against me, me against God, God against me, me against the world, right? But now do this. Everybody do this for me. Okay, now get back out here. Come on, you're not done yet. Here we go. And open it up. Open it up. What is this a posture of? This is like a posture of worship, isn't it? And, you, and, and it's, it's so fascinating. When we give, whether it's relationally or of our time or of our fine, when we decide to give, it's like we open ourselves up, okay, to God's grace and all the good. We open ourselves up to freedom. We open ourselves to worry-free living. We open ourselves up to a world that wants to be loved and wants to love us back to a God who wants to give us grace and to powerfully work inside of us. And look what happens. Look at this next verse. This actually is in Acts 4 as well. It says this, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. You know why? Because they open themselves up to it. And here's the thing you got to get. When we talk about generosity, this is, God's doing just fine without us. Right? He doesn't need whatever I got that he's given me already. But when we open ourselves up, when we, he has something for you. He's not trying to get something from you. And they, I'll tell you what, those, that early church, they got this. It was a conviction and it brought them together as one. But then there was a third conviction they had too. And here's the third conviction. Yeah, God wants to accomplish something in you. And we talked about that already a little bit. But there's also something that God wants to accomplish through us. Through us. For reasons I do not fully understand. And I had someone remind me from the outside again this this week. God's favor is on this church. There's things that God... And maybe we kind of get used to it around here. That God allows us to do, allows us to be a part of that, that just don't happen all the time. But I'm telling you, I, I think there are things that God wants to do through us, both locally and globally, as a community, as a team, that seem impossible to everybody else. And if you go back to that early church, that's exactly how God operates. Look at what happened. It says this, there was no needy person. Imagine that, no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned the land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and they distributed as anyone had need. Imagine this. Imagine a community. Imagine a city. Okay? Or imagine our world without need. Where every need is met. Imagine that kind of a thing. Where, where there is no hunger. Where there is no poverty. Where there's no loneliness. Where, where, there, where, there, where there's no desperation, where there's no fear, and no one is distant from God. Can you imagine that? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 
And some of us seem kind of pushed back, but is that even possible? And I think that's, yes, it's possible because God was working through that early community of followers called a church and that's exactly what he did. And I think God wants to do the same thing through us. He wants to work through us to see lives change, communities transformed, and eternities altered. And in many ways, I think as we look back at this one initiative, when we look ahead to what God wants to do, that's what's been going on. Here's a glimpse. I want you to check this out. Here's a glimpse of the difference we've made through the one initiative as told um, by one person, Pat Nelson. And here's his story and the stories that came out of that. My name is Pat Nelson. I've been married to Andrea for two years and have been coming to community for 11. In 2007, I was invited by a friend to come to community. Got involved heavily at Stuco at the Yellow Box. Um, I also was on the setup team with my Stuco small group at Naperville Downtown. We actually got to be one of the bands that played every single month, which was a ton of fun. And it was really through those first steps that I chose to follow Jesus for the first time. In 2011, I did an internship at the Shorewood location of Community. And uh, right after that, eventually got hired and uh, joined our staff team at Yorkville. Uh, Stayed there for a year until a position actually opened back up at the Shorewood location. Through the One Initiative, the Plainfield, Shorewood, and Romeoville locations combined and got to join the staff team as the worship pastor there. Seeing so many familiar faces and so many new faces, learning new people's stories, really just embarking on something truly special for the community in Plainfield there. We started attending Plainfield and he started doing sound. I joined the Connect team and from there it was like, what if strangers become family? Once we got involved, you know, it just immediately turned into our home. We knew that, that that's where we were meant to be. I got baptized and I was like, wow, this is like the most amazing experience. Not just getting under the water and giving my life to Jesus, but in God, but the way that community does it. It's like, it's a party. Shortly after that, my wife Andrea and I decided to sponsor a child for the first time in Nicaragua through Compassion. And uh, through community's partnership and Celebration Generosity, we actually uh, got to help plant a church there as well, which Jose, our uh, sponsored child, goes to. You know, it's so amazing to do that locally, but when we start to think of ourselves as a global church and a part of a global community, to have a tiny investment in the life of a child and uh, of a brand new church that is now going on to plant other churches in that country is, is really, really special. Mi nombre es Oscar Torres, tengo la edad de 21 años. Estoy pastoreando en la Iglesia Libre de los Valles, en la comunidad El Nin, en Nicaragua. Acá vienen niños de escasos recursos, como al igual donde crecí había niños de escasos recursos, al eh, igual que donde crecí, y por eso sirvo acá, de rescatar, de salvar. So during this season, uh, I had really felt a strong call that God had told me to take a risk on something. You know, I had grown up thinking it was normal to plant churches, and I had never actually done it. So this was our time. We loved it. We felt God's calling on this. We felt his blessing. We eventually said yes and joined the staff team as the Downers Grove Arts Director. Leading into launch, I got to know a guy named Brian, learned about his uh, journey of faith. A lot of the things that I'd done, I didn't think I could be forgiven for. And it wasn't that I was necessarily looking for forgiveness from a God, but I didn't even think on a human level that people could really look at me for what I was. I had made up my mind at this point. I didn't want to live. I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I went out to the garage, and as I was about to kick the stool over, uh, the garage door opened, and uh, 
I ran. I broke down, I cried, and I ran. And I reached out, and my mother took me to the hospital, and from then on, I haven't had a drink or a drug. After the fog really did clear of some time of sobriety, I knew, I knew that there was something out there, something greater than me, that was not me, that was taking care of me all along. Because if I really got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I kind of heard about this new thing going on in Downers Grove. It kind of just all fell into place and that they're starting this new church and what an opportunity to kind of be at the grassroots of things and wanting to renew myself and getting to know Christ. Jesus says, get baptized. Plain and simple. And I want to be washed of my sins. I want to start, I want to die and be reborn. I don't want to just have a behavior modification. I want to transform. I want my heart to change. It's been cool to have a front row seat to everything the One Initiative has accomplished over these last two years, to the brand new Plainfield location opening up, to starting new churches in Nicaragua, to uh, the brand new Downers Grove location, um, and countless other events and stories that we've been able to tell. It's, uh, It's really humbling and remarkable to be a part of a community that is willing to take a risk all because of the same mission and uh, because we are one on that mission together. I just want people to know that there's hope. That there is hope, and there's hope that that you too can have a change of heart, and that you too can be worry-free and joyful and have these wonderful things. That you too can be saved, and I really believe that. I'll tell you what I. I don't care how many churches we plant or how large the church gets or whatever we do. That's why we do what we do right there, right? That is why we do right there. One person at a time, helping them find their way back to God. I just love that. And um, I'll tell you what. Um, I don't know if you remember, remember where we started, this, we started the talk. I started talking about uh, this, uh, this, this special team, right? <laughs> this team who nobody thought it was possible, right? Nobody thought it was possible last Thursday, but Friday night they did something that everybody said was impossible to do because they were fearless and they came together as a team. And in some ways, um, I think that's what we have the opportunity to do through one, come together as one. And I I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to some folks because early on in the very first year, the first year we had more than 1,200 households, just a little more than 1,200 households that said, you know what? I want to make God number one and I want to make a commitment to that one initiative. And I want to say to you all, okay, that we're part of that very first wave that said yes. I want to say thank you very much. Thank you very much. The next year, we had another 470 some plus households that said, you know what, this is, I, I want to be a part of that. Another 470 people got in, households, not just people, but households. And I want to say to you all that got in and said, I want to make a commitment to one. I want to say thank you. And you are responsible to help make that happen. And over this last journey, too, there's been another over 2,000 households that said, you know what, in some way, I want to contribute, I want to give to this one initiative, to the Jesus mission. And in total, if you think about this, you add it all up, we've had more than 3,700 households who gave almost $18 million to help people find their way back to God. And I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you. That is awesome. And here's the best part. The best part. Okay, we did it with God's help, but we did it together as one. And so today kind of marks the conclusion of this one initiative. So maybe you're going, okay, well, what's now? What's next? Let me give you two words real quick. The first word I want to give you as we wrap up is the word commitment. And the second word I give you is maybe commencement. First commitment. 
For those of us who made a commitment to one, I want to just challenge, let's all of us, all of us finish strong. And it may mean that today you give to complete that commitment, or, and it may even mean that you give your, your, your biggest gift of the year, but we, we complete that commitment we made together as one. And I know, I know for Sue and I, um, two years ago, this was, that was the largest financial commitment of any kind that we'd ever made. And there's been some ups and downs, but I'll, I will just tell you, God has been so, so, so faithful. And so, so I mean, today I, I got my check. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not just talking to you, but I'm a part of this. I, I'm excited. This is something I think God has, has for me, okay? Not like something he's trying to take from me. And so for you, I mean, in a moment, the bucket's gonna pass and you can, you can give with a check or you can give online if that's the way you normally do, but you can be a part of that and finish that commitment. The second word though is commencement. And commencement is kind of like, think like graduation. So today isn't really just a finish line, but it's kind of a, a starting line. Maybe the day becomes a starting line for the first time. You say, you know what? That's how I want to live. That's how I want to live. That's the things I do want. This past year, I asked our, our central team, and they told me we had 870 households who said for the very first time, I want to give. There was something inside that prompted said, okay, I'm going to trust God with this. And I'm telling you, every time I have trusted God like that, I have never, I'm telling you, never regretted it. Never. And so when you think about it, maybe for some of you that you give for the very first time, or maybe for some of you, the commencement is you're graduating to a different degree. It seems like every year or two, God says, you know what? You've been here. Now I want you to take your generosity to here. And it feels like every year or two. And maybe for some of you, that's, that's exactly right. You, you pay attention to what God's Spirit's telling you. Maybe he's saying, saying, hey, you've been here. You know what? It's time for you to go here. Because I have something for you. It's not that I want something from you. And here's what I love. I think God's asking us to do this, not on our own, but together as one. Like those early Christ followers. The early Christ followers, was said of them, the whole congregation of believers were united as one. One heart, one mind. That's who they were. And I'll tell you what, you know what happens when we do that? When we, when we live with those kind of convictions we talked about. When you live with them and I live with them and, and all of us live with them, I'm telling you, just like it describes here, no need goes unmet. This was God's strategy, okay? No need goes unmet. And hundreds and thousands, tens of thousands, and dare I even kind of dream, millions of people will find their way back to God. I want to be a part of something like that. Don't you? Don't you want to be a part of something like that? I know I do. I'll tell you what, we're going to pray. And then after that, the ushers are going to come forward and we get to kind of complete this season and uh, you get a chance to be a part of it just one more time. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to say thank you that you allow us to be a part of your great mission, that you put within each of us gifts and you've given us resources in energy and time and, and in finances, that you allow us to give back to you, that you multiply and lives changed. Lord, help us. Help us to trust you with it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.